This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 181 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Durand. And we had a week off, which is something we haven't done in a while. Jared, so. your mic. Are you going to keep your mic there? Is it? Can you not hear me? No, I can hear you. It's just a weird position and it's facing the wrong way. <laughs> Let's that what you, you wait until we start the show. Remember, to I bring said this up. Mike right in front of you. No, now I can't hear it. Yeah, now I can't hear you at all. No, we we literally can't hear you. <laughs> well, Cody no. screwed it all up. Yeah, sorry, I hit mute. Put it wherever you want, look, as long as look, we can hear you. Look, can you hear me? Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Sure. Jesus. Thank right you. off the bat. Well, you, the mic is off-centered, so it's... I know! Uh, Look at every this is late night show. They they don't put it right in front of them. They have yeah, but that's because these, this style of mic, the actual thing that captures the sound is right in front. It's not oh, to the yes. side. It's not okay. on the top. Okay. What kind of mic Thank is you. it, Cody? Thank you for... It's a blue Yeti. <laughs> well, it's, it's set on cardoid. Anyway, um... So, yeah, thank you for, for bringing that up before, uh, not before we started the show. When well, I, was I, thought asking you were gonna, I thought you were going to move it before we started. I thought it was off to the side. <laughs> I was asking how it sounded. I was asking. You're, you're, you're coming in a little hot, though. Okay. Jesus Christ almighty, Cody. This is a new setup, so I have to um, adjust some things. But we'll just, we'll put it over here, right there. Is that, is that good? It looks more like a robot dong right there. So. <laughs> it certainly does. Anyway, um, son of a bitch. Totally ruined the momentum right away in the show. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, Cody. I mean, technically, we didn't have momentum yet, so it just... Well, you, okay, yeah. I mean, whatever... Well, this isn't it. Yeah, this... <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is not... This is the greatest start of a show ever. Um, yeah, we had a week off, and we're back now. Uh, because uh, what was out last week? Nothing, right? Nothing of any import? I don't remember. Uh, um, yeah, nothing really. There was like that Broken Hearts Club, I think, was the big release oh, yeah. last week. Anyway, we all had a, a nice Sunday rest for that because whatever. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, let's go ahead and talk about your hat, Cody, since all this momentum's fucked anyway. Uh, Terminator Genesis. Yes. Um. I can't decide if that one is the worst Terminator movie or if Salvation is worse. I think Genesis is worse. I don't I I know I've seen one of the two and I can't remember which. I think I saw the one that was um that was uh Sam Worthington. Yeah, that's Salvation. Genesis was the one that actually had Arnold Schwarzenegger come back. Oh, okay. You didn't see Genesis? I thought we saw that at the same time. Maybe I don't remember mm-hmm. when it came out. Have you seen any of these, Jocelyn? Any Terminator movies? I think I saw movies? Genesis, because I remember it was a big deal that Arnold was coming back. And it had um, Amelia, Amelia Clark mm-hmm. and, um, yep. and um, Jason Clark as well. Really? Uh, Who's in our mov- one of our movies this yeah. week. Yeah. He was John Connor, hmm. who, was, who was a Terminator in, this, in that one. Interesting It's a terrible, terrible movie. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. Um, but Arnold came back, and that was what everyone cared about. Um, yeah, great hat, Cody. Thanks. Good job. Thank you. Good job. A Rise of the Machines one would have been probably top-notch if you could ever find that one. Oh, yeah. I got to look for that. Um, I've got I've got my eye on a couple. I showed you one yesterday that I really, really want, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see if that one pans out. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, what did y'all do for your week off? Anyone do anything fun? Oof. 
I, I went to a restaurant, which was, Ooh. yeah. I we actually went like, to a couple of restaurants this ooh, weekend. A few. We went to a barbecue restaurant and we went to a Mexican restaurant. Nice. So, Cody had uh, Wendy's door dashed the other night. Oh, no, I never got it. Oh. <laughs> no, I was craving a spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's, as I do often. And, uh, yeah, what happened was they, I got, I, I ordered a favor and then they said, oh, they, j- the, their whole system went down and I was like, okay, fine, I'll order from another Wendy's. And I sent them to another Wendy's and then their system was shut down there. So it was a Wendy's outage. And, uh, How far is the Wendy's from you? <laughs> not far at all. <laughs> but I mean, if I would have gone, I wouldn't have, I would have come home empty handed either way. So, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, what kind of restaurant did you go to, Jocelyn? I went to a Cajun one. Oh. It's a local. I love it. It used to be a food truck here in San Antonio. Um, it's a guy from New Orleans. And, uh, yeah, so cajun Oh, it wasn't Popeye's? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar. I've had Popeye's uh, door dashed or favored. Their or chicken postman's. sandwich is delicious. That is a very good chicken sandwich. It depends on the day. Some days it's perfection. Other days it's just really good. I mean, all that hype, like, literally it lived up to it, in my opinion. I was not expecting it to be that delicious. Cody, what's your opinion of it? I know you're very tough on Yeah, he has a lot of opinions on chicken sandwich. (laughs) Uh, You know, the first time I had it, it was great. And then the second time I had it, it was fine. Uh, So I I need a third to kind of see. Well, you've only had it two times? Yeah. You know, me too. And I think both experiences were kind of similar, but I got it spicy the second time, and mm. I was like, spicy was the, about it." Spicy was the way that I had it. Too it much. And really, I thought yeah. it was pretty weak. I can't. You know, only spicy. the mayo is spicy. Did you know that? The chicken itself yes, is the same. I did know that. Wait, really? They don't put a spicy one? No, it's just spicy mayo. That's the difference. Oh, because I, I like how their spicy chicken. You can always tell it's spicy because it has those orange streaks in it. Yeah. If you get the strips, anyway. But this is this is a great way to start. We were off to a roaring a roaring start at this fucking show. Um, so let's talk some movie news. Um, the la- one of the last movies we reviewed uh, before we took a break was Mulan, and that was of course released on Disney Plus uh, to a premium for a premium subscription. It was thirty dollars on top of your regular Disney Plus subscription. Cody, you were talking about some numbers that you saw for Mulan. Tell us about those. Yes. It said that. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. God damn it! I hit the wrong button. You just you kicked me <laughs> I out. I kicked you out for a second. I'm sorry. Right when you asked his opinion. Fucking I'm asshole. sorry. God, this is a this is a great start. That's my you favorite could... ongoing joke from you, Jared. As you ask us a question and then you kick us off. <laughs> I, Look, I, I, the I, buttons I did not are so ex- buttons are so close together for remove <laughs> and solo. To be honest, I did not expect this much rust uh, coming. I know out. we are we are. Tough. We can yes. never take a week off. Again. Well, I mean, I built. I had to build a new computer, so it was. Uh, oh. That's why my mic Nerd. was different. Dude, it, I put it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I'll try again here. Um, so there was a there was a research firm that um, that came out with a report that said that twenty nine percent of U.S. households that subscribed to Disney Plus made the purchase of Mulan, um, and um, what that means is that. Uh, 30 million people in the U.S. subscribe to it, so that means about 9 million people um, rented Mulan. And when you do the math, that comes out to about $261 million for Disney. 
And um, it's interesting because if you take those numbers and you look, I, I did the math uh, because I have nothing else going on, uh, and I looked at the. Uh, <laughs> that's just not. That's just not cool. I'm sorry. sorry. Okay, my normal software is not working. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I might. This might be better. But um, so yeah, when you do the math, I think uh, I think it was uh, the the highest grossing Disney live action remake was um, Beauty and the Beast, right? Right. So, uh, you know, if you do the simple math, uh, Beauty and the Beast made uh, 504, about $500 million gross. And if you, if you, you know, think about it and you assume a 50-50 split, that's $250 million. So if you count money that's just in Disney's pocket, Mulan would probably be the highest grossing Disney live action movie in terms of money in Disney's pocket. So it's really proof of concept that this works. And that they can make a lot of really big, uh, a lot of you know, big numbers uh, on something like this, and it and it kind of makes. I mean, Jared and I talked about it a little bit. It makes you wonder if Black Widow is next because Black Widow would certainly overpass this. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, and I I always feel like sort of the um, like Black Widow is sort of a a smaller film than the other Marvel films. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but. Just that it's like a, you know, a prequel for a character <laughs> featuring a character who's dead. In Sorry, continuity. Jocelyn, for the spoiler. Yeah, it's okay. I'll, so I'll get to it eventually. And um, I don't mind spoilers. Yeah. Uh, so you know, the character is dead <laughs> moving forward. So who knows what this the fate of this character is in the also movie. dead in a Marvel universe? Isn't that like kind of like lots of quotes? Sure. Yeah. She's she's probably as dead as any character has been. Uh, but not like real person dead. Well, she's not. Um, I'm not going to say it. Sorry. Everyone's going to do it. It's too soon. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you knew what I was going to say. Yeah. This even, isn't even uh, implied. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, no, it, it's uh, it, it feels like a movie that could probably thrive on Disney Plus because it's not really, um, you know, it's not like the big Avengers movie where it's going to drop thousands of people to every screening um i'm glad to hear it though i have a friend who's asian american and he had posted that once he saw how much it was going to be that it was going to really you know hurt its chances and then it was going to reflect badly on them doing any type of movie like this in the future with asian characters so hearing that is really good to hear and and i'm glad that it that it was so successful well yeah i don't i don't think they're going to um I don't think Disney is ever going to make another movie of its culturally whitewashed. Right. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like you're yeah, not going to yeah. have, um, you know, <laughs> you're not going to have a Mulan with an, with an Eddie Murphy in it again yeah. as a main character or, uh, you know, Aladdin with, uh, just a bunch of white people cast as the, with the guy from full house. Yeah. The guy from full <laughs> house. And then, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, that, that Black Widow is probably the next best candidate for this to happen with. Oh, well, actually, they they were talking about the new Pixar movie Soul. Uh, oh yeah, could yeah, be the next one. Because uh, well, um, make that jump. Because uh, um, Onward hit pretty quickly after, like that was one of the last theatrical releases mm-hmm. before everything shut down. So yeah, um, and Soul, I don't really know anything about. Uh, uh 
Well, I mean, the the thing that I know for it is that the the uh, the soundtrack is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which is funny that Trent Reznor's doing a Pixar movie. Um, <laughs> is it really? Yeah, wow. yeah, they did the score for it, and then um, it's Pete Doctor though, so you know, um, right. a lot of. Uh, what was it? Book of Life had a really good soundtrack. They you had, mean like, Coco? Yeah, maybe it was Coco. It was either Coco or Book of Life, but they had like modern bands doing the music for it. Who's knocking? Someone's that knocking. That was my dog. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't remember Book of Life that well. I just know it was. It uh, had like Radiohead songs. It had like Mumford and Sons. I was like, really? What? Yes, I was watching it with my nieces and nephews, and I was like, I know all these. I bands. don't remember anything about that. And I don't think it was Coco. It's. I think no, it was definitely no, Coco wasn't had, Coco. <laughs> yeah, there was no, no Mumford and Sons in Coco. <laughs> that would be a weird thing. Uh, yeah, because I think. Uh, I mean, it's sort of this. It's a. It's along the same lines. A lot of the Day of the Dead stuff, same yeah. plot. But I don't remember anything about. I remember it not being that great. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, I, I like, mean, you know, it had modern <laughs> music. And... <laughs> you could, it was on your Spotify playlist already. Exactly. So, Mumford and Sons. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. Anything, uh, anything else to add about this before we move on? We've got a lot of movies to talk about. No, I just, I just you know, w- what I found to be so interesting is that, um, is that, you know, the the real debate here is going to be the money in the pocket thing because there's always going to be the theatrical and studio split on these box office numbers and we when you can show definitively that ultimately Disney makes more like as much or more of a profit by releasing it straight to its audience that's when it becomes a big question of how viable it is of course this is i'm i'm almost certain that that's going to piss off theater owners but you know are theater right. owners not going to show Disney movies like come on it's you know Disney has all yeah. the leverage well, and then, you know, the, the whole idea of when it is totally safe to go back, mm-hmm. will people want to go back? And I think that's probably, you know, probably going to be something that, that happens. I don't think now. I mean, it does, it's clear. about that because, like, I got my whole home theater, like, together, and I am, like, happy as a little clam watching anything on it. Watching the Book of Life and <laughs> blasting Radiohead. <laughs> have you have you tried watching Chameleon on your new home theater setup? Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Mm, you might want to. It might be a better movie. <laughs> so be. wait, wait. Did you you just upgraded? Yeah, I have. I got a projector and I have a screen oh. and that whole thing, and it is awesome. I I've always uh, con- I've always been leery of the projectors, so. I'm not sure. I, I it feels like it would be strange. Like my I feel uh, like I'm in a theater. I really do. They've it's made like a pretty big leap in and... terms of in terms of like getting pretty great quality out of like a decent cost. Yeah. I mean it's not bad. Well, and... I didn't say it was bad. I just <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say anything about that. I just it feels like it might be um like I don't know. I my disagree wife, with my... you. I feel like everyone's in quarantine right now and we're getting used to things a certain way. No, no, I, well, I'm not saying anything. I wasn't disagreeing. <laughs> what happened here? No, I was just talking about projectors. I was how I was leery of them. I'm glad you have a good one. No, you have a like like a. No, I'm agreeing with you that I don't think that oh. like when theaters open, <laughs> pick like, a lane, Jocelyn. To, Jesus. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I agree. Like I don't know. If I don't it's think everybody had a. I don't think any everybody had a projector set up in their house. <laughs> what, was your, what were you going to say about your wife? <laughs> Oh, well, like, if we're watching a movie and we're eating, she likes to have the lights on. 
because she right. likes to be able to see. So I feel like that would just destroy any projector. Image. Oh yeah, no. yeah. It has to be something that you like dedicate. Like I'm like I'm. You can't like passively watch with a projector. You kind of have to like turn the lights off and make sure everything. Like you have to be ready to sit and watch in front of it. Yeah, at my um, at my sister in law's old house. Uh, her boyfriend had a like a projector room, and we watched Back to the Future in there once, and it was pretty awesome. Like it, it was the big like the screen was the whole wall, and it was a projector, but it was like a room that had no windows, and it was just dark. So yeah, I think that's the ideal way to to do it. Jocelyn, it's um, do you watch uh, like just regular TV on that too, or is it just for movies? Oh no, I'll watch anything on it. <laughs> All the Kardashians look great. <laughs> Watch the Emmys on it tonight. I plan to. Yes, the <laughs> Emmys. I'm so excited. Oh, by the way, uh, the the DIY Conan is tomorrow, and I've uh, got some entries in there. I don't know if they're oh, if it's airing. Oh, that's right. So. I did see that. Anyway. Um, it's a puppet. So. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> get it right. God damn it. <laughs> Anything else before we move on? No, let's get to it. We got All right. All right, let's go ahead and get. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. God, here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Antebellum. Listen to me. Wherever you came from before here, you need to forget about it. Mm-mm. That is not possible for me. What are we doing? Oh, what is? The plan. You think I haven't tried? We must choose our moment wisely. We keep our heads down and our mouths shut. Do you understand me? I know you. And I know that you are my only way out of here. Oh, you think being quiet is being strong, huh? What has that ever gotten us? This is uh, one of the movies that was supposed to hit theaters and instead went to uh, VOD. Uh, Cody, why don't you tell us about Antebellum? I'm sorry, let's start with Jocelyn. Oh, Jocelyn. I, I'm so trying to get true. the order. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get the order right for later. Uh, <laughs> Jocelyn, I apologize, Cody. Uh, no, that's fine. Jocelyn, that's, I'll, just, I'll just wait. That's fine. Yeah, I'll just go fuck myself. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jocelyn, tell us, what you, tell us about Antebellum and what you thought of it. Sure. So um, Antebellum starts uh, in like Civil War era Louisiana on a plantation. Um, and it's showing just the, you know, extreme horror of slavery and what uh, these people went through and and all of that in, in the most, you know, sort of horror, I guess, is kind of the genre that it's that it's choosing to tell this story in. Um, it was sort of interesting because if you know about history, they're start, the, the, the slave owners are wearing uh, Confederate uniforms. So you start realizing that it's actually after the war had happened, which I read implies that there's that this isn't after the war, basically, or that it isn't pre-war, antebellum. Um, right, that's that what, kind of, an, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what antebellum means, basically. So you start realizing that the war has 
is not over, basically. And that kind of sets up a jump, which I guess is a bit of a spoiler. I don't want to give anything away. But I, I think this movie has played it all ways, so I think it's fair to... Okay. I couldn't... Fi- By the way, I could not find... That was the only clip I could find of the first half that of the movie. That wouldn't spoil it. Wow. Every, everything else is of the second half of the movie. So. And it's... I mean, the first half is intense. Anything, of course, in the antebellum era is intense. And... Um, and so it's not a spoiler to say that we also see the character that Janelle Monet plays um, in in current modern day. Um, so we kind of have a jump forward, and um, she's this extremely successful person. And um, this part of the movie is, you know, it's it's a little more engaging and it's more interesting for me. I I found it interesting. Um, and mm. then we go back and we jump back to this previous era. And I think that's when it lost me. It was just a lot of going back and forth. They don't explain what happens in the modern era. Um, and as much as I love Janelle Monet, I was extremely excited for not only her, but for this concept of her being in two different kind of eras at the same time and, and them kind of like almost speaking to each other. And the movie just does it in such a way that it's so messy and horrible and (laughs) and then when it when it starts to do the sort of you know the retribution for this these horrible slave owners it's really not grotesque but very um gratuitous i would say and i know that there are horrible people and everything which gives you i mean it's almost like the django scenario where you can do whatever you want to these horrible slave owners but in this movie it just it, it it comes out of nowhere and and it really just didn't make any sense followed by another twist that absolutely makes no sense which i won't give away but the whole thing just felt really um i don't know it was like the filmmakers were beating us over the head about what they were trying to say and it could have been done in such a more subtle and interesting way yeah Okay, Cody. In my opinion. Co- Cody, what about you? Well, you know, uh, I where I differ from Jocelyn a bit is that middle section that takes place in, in present day, I felt was just really meandering and boring. Um, I, I think that, so it introduces like like Gabourey Sidibe in there, who I, I think adds nothing to the... No, I, I disagree. I think she's the best part of the movie. Oh, I think I'm kind of the, right in between you two. I think she was also really great and also kind of. I think that she's like the only one who has any sort of real life to her. Well, she does, but her character doesn't really add to the to the story whatsoever. No, but I mean, it makes sure. it at least entertaining for a right. second. Right, she's the only. Per- I should I should back up. She's the only person that feels like a real person. That I can agree with. I th- okay. but but I also think that that it adds nothing to the story and I don't think it adds anything to the narrative as a whole because really what this is, is it becomes a story of, 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 you know, like most things in three acts, but the, the acts are kind of split between um, like playing with time. And in, in this whole, the whole idea behind this movie is that it's a trick, right? It's, 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 it's a movie that, uh, that is, is trying to um, not, not mess with you like intentionally, but um, but mess with time a little bit, and um, and ultimately the end result of it is is you know it's it's a really um, it's a really ugly movie at times in that it really 
it's it it shows really gratuitous um, depictions of slavery, and ultimately the depictions of slavery are are to serve as nothing more than a narrative device. And I think once that sort of becomes apparent, it becomes really gross <laughs> in in a way. Yeah. Um, and um and and it's you know, uh, once you sort of get what they're doing, um, and what they're trying to do, they're trying to make a big 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 leap um in its assumptions and its in its uh in its uh the message that it's trying to send and it just falls really flat and 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 it ultimately i think falls flat because it's sort of in a way trivializing the thing it's trying to um to compare it to um for sure it's like a dumbed down version (sighs) it's like you know the most basic you know version of of telling that story that that has been done before, but too. It, but it also just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah and I that, think that's, on top of it. that's the biggest part about it is that even if you want, if you even if you go along with what the movie does, it just doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't make sense how this this story would play out. It doesn't make sense about how this uh, this story would exist in real life. Uh, it just doesn't. It just doesn't track at all. And, and ultimately, at the end of the day, it's a fucking snooze fest. I mean, <laughs> that that middle section is just so incredibly boring, filled with like the most generic dialogue that you could possibly mm-hmm. see. It's it's an example that happens quite a bit, but it's an example of a movie made by filmmakers who are making a film that is not as smart as it thinks it is. Yeah. Okay. So I, I'm gonna say it right off the bat. This I was I immediately knew what was happening, and I don't think that it's really that hard to figure out. And I I I I'm, don't feel like I'm spoiling this, but I, I think it it makes for a better movie if if the middle act was the beginning. I think that makes the movie make a little more sense and it not be some sort of shitty fake out. Cause I think the fake out, first of all, doesn't work. And second makes, makes the, um, the middle act seem like just, um, like a, like you're picking up clues that you didn't, that like, it's just dropping breadcrumbs that, that you already know what they are like. Cause you already like, look, once you figure out what's happening in the second act, if you haven't already figured it out in the first act, once you figure it out in the second act, you're just watching for little stuff to pop up. And I think that's really not, um, good for the story. I feel like it, it's, it sounded it's, like a gong. It's, it's like yeah. a gong show. Time's up. It's a it's a great show today. Um, I feel like it. I feel like it. It it really robs anything uh, of interest from the the you know the first act. Look, the first act is gross. Like this is it's not a commentary on slavery. It's not a commentary on racism. It's just exploitative racism, and. You know, especially now, this film could have something more to say. And there are some allusions to modern time with, um, like, the guys chanting blood and soil and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, and the torches. The yeah. Tiki but, torches. But then it doesn't, like... Do anything with it. It would... Look, no one in the first act acts like a real person would in that situation. No one. If you switch the the first and the second act, then you could have you could have the same setting, and you could have people really act like real people, because they're they're only in the first act 
I feel like they're acting like they're not acting like real people so they can keep this surprise that isn't really a surprise. And I feel like that really hamstrings the narrative of the whole thing, you know, uh, other than other than it also being kind of, you know, not really having something to say. I think that's the biggest problem with it is it's trying to keep this secret that it's not very successful at doing. It kind of reminds me of um, the first season of Westworld. I don't know if either of you watched that. I was like, it became Westworld. Yeah, but where it's like, like you figure it out. Like you figure it out like, okay, we're talking, we're not, you know, this is what's happening with these time periods. Like these are the same character split apart, whatever. So it, and, but like you figure that out way before the the show or the movie thought you were going to figure it out or, or, or hoped you were going to figure it out. And so I'm sitting through the first half of the movie, like, okay, when are we going to, when are we going to find out what this is all about? And it's just, it's just not a good movie. It's just, it's exploitative and people act like complete idiots or completely unrealistic. Like, I don't even like, I don't understand what this, the plantation is like, what is this thing? Like that would be, you know, that's the, that's the bigger, broader story, I think. And it, you know, it doesn't really ever explain that. Yeah. And, and, you know, the idea that, um, you know, this is some sort of uh, commentary on racism. I don't know that it really is other than it doesn't make that connection. And like, even, I don't it's, even think it it tries to make that connection. Which if, if if it's not trying to make that connection, then what's the whole point? Yeah, of it's anything? just these people cosplaying, you know, as World War Two. I mean, Civil War soldiers. Um, you know, and you know, the, just there's all kinds of stuff you can you can glean from the movie to figure out what it's doing right away. Not the least of which is the title. But uh, I just think this is a, a huge mess that they could have avoided being a huge mess. Had they not been so concerned with trying to keep this kind of shitty M. Night Shyamalan style reveal. And like patting themselves on the back about it. Right. So (laughs) anyway, grades, Jocelyn. Ooh, I forgot we had to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I just think this was such a mess. And like Cody said, it wasn't even entertaining along the way. Uh, I'm going with a C minus on this one. A C minus. All right, Cody. Yeah, I, mean, I actually agree. I also give it a C minus. I just think that, um, you know, it's it's there's a couple like the there's a shot like one of the final shots of the movie. I think is is like well done. I think it looks really kind of cool. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that it better the, not be a statue one. No, 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 no. That oh, that okay. is not cool. I just okay. mean like the the construction of of like the final shot. Uh, oh, there's okay. like a slow motion shot that is uh, that's well constructed. I forgot um, about the statue shot. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, the statue shot is terrible. Um, but ultimately, at the end, of, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's not even performed well. I mean, I think Janelle Monae is fine, but you've got like Jenna Malone as Foghorn Leghorn, and I think it's just uh, yeah, really you got not, yeah, fun. Jack Houston as another Foghorn Leghorn, and mm-hmm. I still, again, I still think Gabrielle Sidibe is the best part of the movie because she actually brings. Like a real, like it seems like a real character. I mean, she sold those dumb lines that she had to say, at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. yeah. C minus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a C minus too. This is, it's just, it's not incompetent all the way, but it's just such a mess. And I think that the surprise is not really a surprise, and it, it really, it really torpedoed the narrative. I think. Uh, okay, let's move on to our next movie, Cajillionaire. 
Is this the normal amount of turbulence for this route? Yes. Really? Totally. It's... Oh, no! What? Oh. <laughs> I thought that I forgot my headphones. Did they say that there was Wi-Fi in this plane? I don't remember. Oh, there is. Oh, you gotta pay. Why do they do that? You're better off. Oh, this? Oh, I know. Trust me, I'm the worst. I, like, sleep with it. It's like my third arm. It's a tool. It was originally designed by and for the military and the intelligence community. The CIA and Army ground ops, specifically. It is a powerful and it's a dangerous tool. You don't have a cell phone? I use it as it was intended. And I don't dress it up and play dolly with it. Oh, <laughs> well then don't meet my mom. All right, this is a film from director Miranda July. Uh, it... It was released in theaters as well, right, Cody? I don't uh, only in theaters. Only currently. in theaters currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us, uh, Cody. Tell us about Cajillionaire and what you thought of it. Yeah, so Cajillionaire is the story of uh, of, a, of a family. It's a father daughter, uh, father uh, wife and um, mother daughter. Um, a husband and wife and their daughter. <laughs> Look, we're all a little bit rusty. <laughs> And oh, I've jo- been Jocelyn just dropped something. <laughs> oh, good lord! Uh, yeah, uh, um, I should just pack it in right now. Um, yes, uh, what you said, and um, and so basically they are scam artists, and um, and and uh, one of the best details is that they they are sort of small time scam artists. You know, the scams that they're doing are not like like get rich quick scams. They're more like make a little bit of money and pay rent. You know, scams. And um, like you said, it's it's written and directed by Miranda July, who uh, I did not like the last. She had a movie called The Future, the most recently, and and I was not a fan of that movie. But um, but you know, it's you know she's sort of known for kind of the you know the, the you know the quirky, weird indie movies, uh, and um, and I think this is no, you know nothing different than that kind of quirky and weird. That, you know, it's I think it's accessible, but I do think it is a very strange movie at times, um, and uh, and I think that. You know, especially when you see some of the performance, you know, you saw Richard Jenkins was a little bit stilted in his dialogue there, but um, but you also have, like, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, who's in the movie, who's doing, like, an Elizabeth Holmes impression almost with her voice. She's old, uh, yeah, and her name is Old Dolio. Old Dolio, which, by the way, I mean, I'm going to get into this for a second, because the thing that I like the most about Kajillionaire is that there's a lot of really small touches that just make the movie for me. Yeah. Like, like small details that I think there's a lot of attention to detail in this movie. Like her name is old Dolio, which when I saw that and I heard that, I'm like, Oh, this is just some quirky indie bullshit. But <laughs> yes, exactly. But then when they reveal why she, and I'll spoil this because I think it's, I've been thinking about it all week because I love it so much is that, is that she's named old Dolio because uh, her parents named her after a homeless guy who won the lottery and they wanted to have <laughs> her left in the will. And I think that's just such a brilliant, smart, and funny, like, really stupid scam to try and pull. And it's details like that. Like, you know, uh, the, the scam that they try to open with is great. Uh, you know, when you see them on the plane, Richard Jenkins grabbing, like, the airplane food and stuffing it away. Um, and so basically what happens is they they go through and they're trying to make little uh, a bit of money on scams, and then they run into... Uh, Gina Rodriguez's character um, on a plane and she sort of tries to join them and and, like partner with them and she sort of throws everything off because you know old Dolio's parents seem to be more interested in Gina Rodriguez and and then there's you know some stories about parent-child relationships and being emotionally distant as as old Dolio sort of um, 
finds herself awakened and wanting a little bit more out of her distant parents. And so uh, I think that Gina Rodriguez is really fantastic in the movie. And, um, you know, for me, by far the best part. And it's a performance that she just sells really well because she plays this sort of like really bubbly kind of character. And um, and I think, uh, you know, the relationship that she forms when she sees, you know, the dynamics that are going on and how she kind of uh, is, serves as a guide of what life can be at least emotionally speaking, for uh, Evan Rachel Wood's character. And I think I really like that side of the story. Um, and I think at the end of the day, it's just a really uh, sweet movie that um, that sort of is about this sort of awakening of this, of this strange girl who grew up uh, in a strange family. Uh, I love the ending of the movie also. Um, it sort of has a kind of um, meaningful, almost poetic ending to it that I think uh, like really paid off. And, and for me, like I said, it's just a, it's just, small details you know the character designs the scams that they pull are are really are really entertaining and uh yeah i find myself i found myself really really enjoying this movie jocelyn what about you yeah um i think the whole setup of the family and how they've raised uh poor old dolio is (laughs) so profoundly sad to me in the way that miranda july is so good at um because she is so quirky and she does you know these just really out there things with it. So when it's setting up this idea of them being these, you know, scammers who just have this horrible uh, existence of, of nothing normal, nothing, you know, loving, it's, it's just so, it sets up the first or the second part of the movie. So, so well. Um, And then you get this Gina Rodriguez character who comes in and you want to kind of write her off as some, like Cody said, like a bubbly character. And you just, you know, expect it to be kind of some dumb girl. And then she turns out to be this really incredible part of the second half of the movie. Um, there was a little bit of a awkward, like a love scene or, you know, like a sexual thing that happens in the middle that I could have done without. But other than that, mm-hmm. I thought it was really seamless in the way it tells the story and like Cody said the ending is so beautiful and it really kind of like makes everything all tied together and uh lovely and um I think by the end I really liked it yeah I think um I'm gonna agree with both of you I think it was it was the ultimately I I really enjoyed it I think there's probably a little bit too much quirk in it for me I think that um like what? What is it? They 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 rent an office like next to like a bubble factory or something? Like <laughs> yeah, I don't even know, understand. I, at first I thought it was like a car wash, but then it, it turns out they just make bubbles. I don't even understand that. That's some weird whimsy shit that I don't know really affects anything and makes the story better. Um, you know, but the old like you mentioned, Cody, the old Dolio joke is great. Um, you know, there's a scene where they where they get a hot tub but I think uh, the setup for that is really great um, I, I do feel like Gina Rodriguez's character I really like Gina Rodriguez in this um, there's some stuff with her at the beginning that f- of her character that feels a little mean spirited that I don't think really jives with the Gina Rodriguez at the end of the movie because um, some of the scams that she had that she helps set up for them are, are a little bit on the mean side mm-hmm. um and that's that said, I think the uh, there's some some you know really nice beautiful stuff between her and and Rachel Wood. There's some of it that gets a little 
strange. Like the there's a scene where it sort of dissolves into stars, like as, yeah. after a cut to black. Oh, right. um, and I'm not really sure what was happening. What that? I mean, I get it. I get what its symbolism and, and whatever, but it doesn't really. It just feels a little quirky for quirky's sake, kind of like the bubble factory. And I think that's the only real complaint I have with the movie is the quirkiness that doesn't really amount to anything other than being quirky. You know, work, living next to a bubble factory, living, you know, um, uh, the star field. And then uh, there was something else. I can't remember what it was. There was something else that was just sort of quirky and weird. Oh, I mean, I guess the owner of the, the owner like landlord, crying. the landlord just <laughs> sobbing every single time. Um, not that I didn't think the character was good, and I didn't, you know, thought it was funny, but it's still like um, just seems quirky for quirky's sake, and that's really the only complaint I have about the movie. I think Evan Rachel Wood is great. I think um, uh, Gina Rodriguez is really good. Uh, Richard Jenkins is good. Uh, Deborah Winger, I don't think has a lot to do. I didn't even recognize Deborah Winger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think Gina Rodriguez and Evan Rachel Wood are definitely the, the two bright spots in this. So, grades. Cody, what about you? Yeah, I think that it's just, uh, it's it's kind of like an odd, I don't think it's really coming of age, but it's kind of like a, like a I'm not, maybe it is a coming of age movie, because it's really about someone who's who's been kind of ignored, you know, and, and, and sort of emotionally neglected, finally getting to experience that and, and finally being seen. And I just think like it's a really kind of sweet, beautiful movie. So I give it a B plus. Jocelyn. Uh, yeah, all that. Um, and I think I'm leaning more towards the quirkiness for quirky sake being a little too much for me. Uh, I wish it had, you know, more like grounded in reality elements. So I'm going with just a straight B. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the same thing just for the same reasons, too. I think the quirky for quirky's sake was a little too much for me. Um, I think had it been a little more straightforward um, and still retained the humor that it had, I think it would have been um, a better experience overall. But uh, a B for me. All right, let's move on to our next movie, Devil All the Time. Well, this was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. I it's time to pass it on. It's the best present I ever got. Thank you. How and why people from two points on a map without even a straight line between them can be connected is at the heart of our story and knock them stiff. Think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house. I know what my daddy did. Some people would say it's just dumb luck. You take pictures? I do. I see a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Others would tell you it was God's plan. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. So this is a Netflix movie um, starring a bunch of uh, British and uh, Australian people as American Southerners. So, uh, uh, Jocelyn, tell us about Devil All the Time and what you thought of it. Sure. Uh, I was curious how they were going to fit everything in the trailer into the movie because it just... If you watch the trailer, there was so much going on and there were so many different actors. 
and so many different like seemingly plots. So I was really interested to see how they actually pulled it off. And basically what happened was um, the first like 45 minutes, I think, is what Cody texted me. They're extremely brutal. They get a lot out of the way. <laughs> in that first, like, 45 minutes of the movie. They are just, like, jam-packed tragedy after tragedy, and it's really, really brutal. <laughs> That's all I can say. <sighs> so then, um, finally, we get to kind of, like, a point in the movie where it kind of settles down a little and starts telling the story uh, with Tom Holland as the main character, who I, as you all know, have not really seen in a lot of movies because he is, you know, Spider-Man, so I, I really haven't paid attention to him. But he was really great as this central character for me. I loved his acting, and he just seemed really comfortable playing this character. So then the story kind of deters into this area of him as a teenager, and um, it kind of alludes to it there that he is an orphan, and he's living with another young lady who's an orphan uh, based on all the tragedy that happened in the first 45 minutes of the movie. Somewhere along the way, there's also some serial killers that are going around. Which uh, somehow they pull together, they make it all work. Um, and then there's also Robert Pattinson as a Southern preacher, also <laughs> kind of tacked in there. It's a lot. And I, I just kind of like the trailer. How are they going to fit it all in? By the end, I think uh, they somehow accomplished making it all work to a point where I was satisfied and a little uh, surprised. Because at the beginning, I did not know how it was going to all come together. Um, with that said, it's just like this Southern Gothic, you know, you know I don't know. It's like the, this new genre. And um, a Where lot you of have like Romanians and Australians and yeah. you know, Sweden, Swedes and Europeans all, I mean, and uh, yeah. British and, people um, playing. I know that it was a big deal about Robert Pattinson doing this uh this southern minister and you know i had read an article where they said that he turned down the acting uh, coach cody told me but then i also read that he was like really um embarrassed to do it in front of people until he was on film which it was shot in film by the way it's beautiful um mm, wow. and then i mean i thought it was great i thought it was so good for his character and really kind of made this character really uh just kind of a whole thing for me um, so at the end of the day, I, 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 I liked it. I didn't think I would, but I ended up liking it. <laughs> All right, Cody. Well, you know, when I, when I think about the movie, look, I mean, I, I like a good bleak movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I actually, I, I look for that. You know, I, I enjoy that, but this movie is fucking bleak. Um, the first 45 minutes, like Jocelyn said, are particularly bleak in which, I mean, maybe like four to five main characters they've established are dead within forty-five minutes. Yes, yeah. And um, and and then ultimately by that point, I'm like, okay, I you know, when the story shifts to Tom Holland, I'm like, I I know where this is going at this at this point, and um, it's really sprawling. But but here's the thing: is is one, it doesn't let up at any point, so it doesn't stop being bleak at any point um the second thing is there's no room for any of the story to breathe because it seems to be really invested in in making in making like every 
every character die a gruesome death that <laughs> yeah. that anytime a character dies within this movie which by the way if you want a good drinking game anytime someone dies take a shot um but um you know once a character dies they, there's not enough established of a character because it, it just you know you can only find out so much about a character before they're gone in a movie like this and um i just really don't think that any character is strong enough to kind of hold its own beyond just being you know every like almost every person in it is a bad person in some way um and even the innocent people have awful fates but (laughs) but you know you know nobody is there's no moral center of the movie like if you want to consider tom holland the moral center of the movie you're probably wrong (laughs) because uh because he does not have his hands clean at any point during the movie um other than when he's a, a, a small child and it's not tom holland so for me i think the movie is really well directed i think it looks great um i think that there are some parts of the movie that are written well um, I think that the performances, for the most part, are are good. Though, again, I don't think that there's any character to really latch on to at the end of the day. And for me, it was just too punishing for me. There, there, there's too much... Uh, there's too much awful shit that happens within the course of the movie that does not serve the story well enough. You know, I can handle... You know, and I think I, I can handle and I look forward to a nice gut punch when I'm watching a movie. But this is like <laughs> being punched in the gut... 20 times with no point behind it and i just found i just found the bleakness of it just irredeemable yeah um i i i kind of totally agree with that i think it's it's bleak for the sake of being bleak at times um because like you mentioned i think i think it's literally four main characters that we've been introduced to in the in the first half of the film the first 40 minutes die and um the like this feels like something that that like you would see in like a like a TV series, like like an HBO series, like spread out. You know the the idea that there's these characters that you you grow to love and, and then they something happens to them. But but I I do agree with you, Cody. I don't think that there's enough time given to anyone to make them, you know, any kind of a redeemable character or even the sort of antihero, the one you want to succeed, um, because everybody is bad. And I don't. By the time it got to the end, and by the time Tom Holland's character crosses paths with two other characters that have been kind of in the movie sporadically, I don't even really remember what happened. I don't remember the circumstances that brought them together enough for me to care how that wrapped up. And, um, you know, the Sebastian Stan character is, I guess, sort of the closest to the to a, a morally righteous person somehow i don't even think that's the case because he's because his goal is i don't know everyone everyone has dirty hands in this like but again, every- and i'm sorry to say this not everyone has dirty hands but even the ones who don't have dirty hands end up getting a terrible fate well that's what i was gonna say is okay, everybody sorry. has dirty hands or they have they are just treated terribly by the screenplay like pretty much every woman is just a, a vessel for sadness or or terrible tragedy which i don't yeah. quite think is I, I i don't know maybe unintentional but i mean every every woman is either uh <laughs> suffers a horrible fate at their own hand or at the hand of someone else or at um you know the behest at the of a disease or or whatever i think only one female character ends up coming out alive at the end of it that we've met 
I think the 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 one who who made chicken livers. Oh yeah, but but I mean yes, I believe that is yes. Yeah. The one, yeah, and it's just it's just so punishingly like it, it doesn't there doesn't seem to be any point to it other than this is a bunch of sh- terrible people, um, you know, killing one another and and, and I mean. Like the guy, uh, I don't know the actor's name. He was in the Harry Potter. He was Duddy, Dudley oh, Dursley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that character does something awful and then meets a terrible fate <laughs> at the hands of some other characters who also introduce other people to horrible fates. Yeah, and also I think that that the thing that I don't, and, and again, when I say it doesn't serve the story, I also it's trying to make some sort of connection to religion as well throughout. Yeah, and, and it doesn't land at all. Whatever no. point it's trying to make, it doesn't it doesn't make it well. That's what bothered me a lot about it is I think that it was trying to paint religion as what people use as a tool for all this evil. And I mean, look at the title. I wonder if the short story maybe explains a little more or I, makes it more clear. I what don't know. The point is of all this tragedy and brutality. So, well, yeah, I mean, so you kind of get that a little bit with the Bill Skarsgård character. Uh, at the beginning, you kind of get his like, well, I mean, Robert Pattinson's a preacher. Well, sure, but you get this sort of this brutality of it, mm. but then you get like just this grotesque stuff to go with it. Yeah, that that I mean, imagery just, is like stuck in my head. I mean, it's so terrible, um, and it, it doesn't seem to be for any other point to, other than to be just god awful, like just so mean. Not, like I don't want to say mean, not mean spirited, but just like, hey, people are shitty. And this movie is full of <laughs> shitty people doing shitty things to everyone. And uh, man, I don't know. I, I don't understand what the point of it is. And it it has those elements of like this Southern Gothic, this epic Southern Gothic, you know, tale. It's got a some sort of omniscient narrator who. Yeah. I believe that's recounting. the writer of the short story, if if I remember correctly. Yeah. That, I mean, that's who that's supposed to be or who's actually narrating it. Who narrated that's that's it. who narrated it. But I mean that the point. What I'm trying to say is the point of the narrator as a character, or as a as a vessel to the story. Like the narrator bothered me. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's the thing that keeps it can like held together. It try, in but some it's way. so sporadic and it's so random when he would start. But there's picking and, up the story. And there's no again. payoff to the narrator either. Right. Like we don't know whose point of view this is. I don't know. This movie this movie has all the earmarks of something that should be really good, but it just I don't think it connects on any of them. Yeah, I saw I, I maybe someone said this. I I can't recall, but I saw someone mentioning that this may have worked like as a mini series. Well, yeah, that's what way. I was alluding to earlier. Yeah. Where this like if this had been like a um I I, I uh you know, hesitate to to keep bringing it up like something on HBO like The Sopranos or uh Boardwalk Empire or anything, you know, not Westworld, but anything that has sort of this kind of everyone is a criminal. Everyone has their hands dirty in some way. And, you know, the comeuppance. The yeah. The comeuppance that they get or the fate that some innocent faces is is earned. Right. As opposed to just like, oh, you know. Another one dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, someone, uh, I mean, someone dies terribly by accident. <laughs> in this yeah. movie and it's gruesome like it's it's just a terrible fate for this character yeah um 
anyway, um, and people's dicks get cut off, and uh, anyway, it's a good time. Uh, grades, Jocelyn. Oh, uh, gosh, after all that, yeah, I don't know. I'm so torn with this one because I still think it's worth watching. Um, I'm gonna go with a B minus. B minus, goodness gracious, Cody. Yeah, I think that it, I don't think it misses the mark by like a huge margin, but I think somewhere, and it's also really, it's pretty long, uh, it's a pretty long movie, and I think somewhere towards the middle, it just becomes like a bit of an exhausting watch, um, and so I think for that reason, I, I mean, I just think it's a punishing watch, and I think, you know, it's, it, I can ha- I, I can handle that, and I welcome that when there's something redemptive with it, or there's something that I can cling on to that, that, that keeps me... Uh, interested but here um you know like like jared you said it's kind of bleak for bleak's sake and it doesn't serve the narrative it doesn't serve a greater point and it's just ultimately kind of a a really you know it's like a giant kick to the gut the whole time so uh, i give it a c plus c plus uh i'm gonna give it just a straight c i think it's um there's some great performances in it i don't think a lot of them are are that i don't think like I, i feel like robert pattinson is not great in this and I feel bad saying that because I think he's been great as of late. Um, I think Tom Holland does a great job. Um, and I, I, I liked the weird intensity of Bill Skarsgård. Uh, but I just think this is... The, the story is just too brutal and mean. And and I don't, even, I don't even understand... I don't understand what the whole point of it was supposed to be other than everyone's terrible. So... Um, this is available maybe on that Netflix. was it. That was, that maybe. was the point. This is available on Netflix now uh, if you want to watch it. Uh, okay, let's move on to our next movie, The Nest. Things are dried up here for me. Oh! Yeah! There's an opportunity. Where? London. This would be our fourth move in 10 Turn years. Backwards. But money's fine, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a fresh start. How about this? You shouldn't be working for someone else. Be your own boss. Build your own place. (laughs) Own your own horses. Something doesn't feel right. It's not your job to worry. You leave that to your husband. Scares me that you actually think that. So this is uh, the latest movie, or the first movie, from director Sean Durkin since Martha Marcy May Marlene. The, uh, that's, oh my God, was that 2012? 2013? 2011. Uh, that, of course, uh, was the breakout role for Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, Cody, tell us about The Nest and what you thought of it. Uh, the nest is is basically you know you're, you're introduced to this family who is you know clearly kind of an upper class family, and um, and they're in New York and uh, and and uh, it's the parents are are played by Jude Law and Carrie Coon, and um, and uh, basically uh, Jude Law's character decides that you know things have sort of dried up in um, in New York and there's an opportunity to move to England, and uh, to kind of you know, restart things. And they've, they've done a lot of moving and things like that. And so, you know, they get to England and they kind of struggle with, um, uh, adjusting in a sense that Jude Law's like, like basically this movie is a slow burn about a facade cracking. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea behind the movie. Like it's, it's, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, Jude Law's character is really kind of 
completely preoccupied with wealth and not only with wealth, but with appearing wealthy, um, kind of your typical sort of, um, you know, exaggerating or lying about the amount of wealth that they have and like, you know, looking at second homes, I, I think it was, was one of those plot lines and, um, and, and sort of this illusion of, of being well off and, you know, the perfect family and, you know, and, and that kind of thing in, in the, in the illusion of, you know, what a big house says about you. And, and then you have Carrie Coon, who's, whose character is, uh, like a horse trainer and, um, and basically over, over time she starts kind of, um, fighting back against this idea that things are not perfect, things are not well, and that her husband is, is sort of chasing this thing that, um, that ultimately means nothing. Um, and, uh, and so again, it is a very slow burn of a movie. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it's sort of, um, you know, something I, I've, I've said to Jocelyn earlier was that it, it takes like a scenic route to make one point. Um, which is that, you know, the point is just, it's, 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 it's again, watching the facade of this relationship and the facade of wealth sort of crumble. Um, that it, it's also seemingly set in the eighties, which I don't really know what that adds to anything at all. Yeah. Um, Greed is good. Gordon Gecko. Yeah. It does feel a little like it, it also, it feels a little like that and it feels a little like, um, American psycho style where it's all about. Not, I mean, not, obviously not the same, but sure. Um, no, I can, so that's I, sort of that yeah. sort of appearances and, and keeping up with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I think that the the best part about the nest or the performances, um, I think that both Jude Law and Carrie Coon are both very, very good in the movie. Um, particularly Carrie Coon is probably the the um uh, the the best part about the movie, and the way that her character kind of you know slowly starts getting fed up with, um with uh with the actions of jude law's character um i think that the movie maybe needs some more fireworks um i think that it's a little bit low on the fireworks department and i think when you have like this disillusion of uh uh, uh with marriage type of story it needs to have some you know some more you know dramatic flair to it because ultimately it is a little bit i mean it's it's very subdued um and I found myself wanting a little bit more drama, and I and I found myself thinking that it was a, you know slightly dull. I was never bored with it. I did find it a little dull at times, and um, and and like I said, it's 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 a it's a it's a slow burn to 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 ultimately. I mean, I don't think that there's anything much to extrapolate here other than you know it's 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 a sort of watching like a fly on the wall of sort of um, a facade cracking. So uh, it was it was all right. Yeah. Okay, Jocelyn. Um, I think it's the performances that make it. And I would have watched it. I mean, it is a little slow, and uh, but I, I enjoyed watching it unfold and seeing these two uh, really great actors um, have these in, uh, incredible, I guess, performances. Not incredible, but good performances. Um, it reminded me a little bit of like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf of like seeing the inside of this marriage and seeing the sort of tension uh, between the two and, and what sort of, you know, being in, a, in this type of a marriage can be like and, and the secrets and the kind of like not just not always being so forthright and having to 
having to kind of investigate and not investigate, but I, I don't know. It's hard to really explain, but I think just the inner workings of a marriage was fascinating to me between these two characters pulled off by two actors that were just incredible and who I love. I love Carrie Coon. And then I was so impressed by Jude Law. I never have thought he was, you know, great or anything worthwhile, but he just plays this character really well. Um, so while it, while it's definitely not an exciting movie, I really liked watching it kind of all unfold. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I don't, I'm I'm probably going to be a little harsher than both of you. I just don't really think it's that interesting at all. I mean, I think the performances are great. I think Carrie Coon's really good. I think Jude Law is really good. I just don't really quite understand why we're watching this. You know, you, Cody, you mentioned it's like the slow motion, uh, of a facade cracking, but I don't really quite buy into that all the way because I just don't know that there was ever really a, f- a, a a grand enough facade there anyway. I just I mean they literally live in a mansion. I mean that's that they can't really afford. You know. I get it. I don't know why I just did that. Sorry. <laughs> God, this is I'm so rusty. Um, yeah, I get it that uh, that that's what happened. I just don't know that. <sighs> Like, it feels like Carrie Coon's character always knew about his bullshit, the bullshit of Jude Law, and is just now sort of being fed up with it. And then there's, like, strange detours, like, with a horse, um, and then with, like, a a, a big deal that goes nowhere. And I just, I just don't know why we're watching it. I don't know what the hook is. I don't really think it's enough to sustain it. And I think it... it I disagree, and I do think it does get boring. I was bored by it because nothing really happens. You know, maybe some fireworks would have helped. Maybe something something would have helped. But just as of right now, I just don't understand what the point of it all is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that I think that um, you know, again, I think I think the idea of the facade is also present in the fact that they live in this like big empty mansion that never like is ever furnished or anything like that you Mm -hmm. know and and it's just the idea of them living in this big you know a big house that's way too much for them that they don't even need because you know the whole idea is that jude law wants this appearance of being more well off than things actually are and that's why you know um you know there's a scene at dinner where carrie coon kind of runs off and and after kind of being overly honest i love that scene yeah she's just dancing and getting drunk yeah I think it's a smaller movie. It's about, you know, the inner workings of their relationship and and kind of that, like, internal struggle of of marriage. I I get that. You know? I just don't get why we're watching this as this is uh, the way it's structured. I just don't think there's enough happens. You know, I just don't I don't feel like this is something that. Like at the end of the movie, I don't feel like we've really grown any, or the, any not not we, but the, any of the characters have really grown any, other than it's gotten a little bit worse than it was. I and I don't, I just don't feel like there's enough there to sustain this whole thing, and I don't really quite look. A slow burn is fine, but a slow burn that that ends up kind of smoldering out doesn't it doesn't interest me. But um, you know, I think the performances are great. I just don't. I don't think the story is anything. I think it's like Jude Law at rock bottom. Like when he gets kicked out of the cab 
it's just like um his that's lowest. a funny that was a funny like scene. it's like and then he you just to told me you're a liar and you're broke like yeah, yeah it's like I think it's really showing how it's for me. It was like a lot, like also death of a salesman. Like this man is just like uh, at the lowest point. Like he, he's. It, you, do you know what I mean? Like it feels tragic. like a play like he's a little such bit. Such a tragic character. I just don't. I don't. I, I mean, I get that he's a tragic character. I I just don't think there's enough story here for this. Like yeah. I I think that that I can see that. you know it's it's not. You know the the performances are great. the The point that they're trying to make, I think, is, you know, this is falling apart around them. I just don't think that enough happens to illustrate that personally. I just feel like it doesn't have any kind of meat on its bones. Like it just sort of hangs around. Like you're hanging around with these people for two hours, and then by the end of it, like it's a little bit shittier than it was when you started. <laughs> anyway, grades, Cody. Uh, I think that I I I liked it more than I didn't. I think. You know, I think when we're talking about Sean Durkin, I think that, um, you know, it took him nine years to make another movie. And Martha Marcy May Marlene is amazing. I think I think it was like number four on my top ten list of 2011. Um, and uh, I kind of was hoping for a little bit more um, here. Uh, that being said, I think that it's it's good enough to get by on a recommendation. So I give it a B minus. A B minus. All right, Jocelyn. I'm going to be more generous because I think it's really like this great character study you know, driven by these two amazing actors. And I just, I know it was slow and I just enjoyed watching it kind of happen. And even when it ended and nothing was resolved, I kind of laughed to myself because it, it made, it, I just loved it. So I'm doing a B plus. I'm doing a C plus because I feel like it was just too light on story. Um, performances are great. Uh, Jude Law, I don't know that I've seen him do anything better. Um, but I think that just ultimately it doesn't, it doesn't have enough to get through, um, to sustain the whole thing for me. Anyway. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, Rent-A-Pal. Hi, I'm Carla. Hi, my name is Mary. Hi, uh, I'm Susan. Hi, I'm David. I'm 40 years young. <laughs> And um, I live with my mother. It's okay. Good night, Mom. I'm looking for a deep connection. Someone I can give myself to. Completely. Hi, I'm Andy. Thanks for being here today. I have been waiting for this moment for what feels like forever. True friendship. We're going to get to know each other. Talk about whatever you want. But more than anything, we're gonna have some fun. Too bad. And hopefully, yeah. it's the start of a beautiful relationship. Yeah. What do you say? Sounds weird, Andy. So this is uh, this is a film that Jocelyn got a screener for all by herself. Her very first grown-up screener that she got by herself. Uh, so that's why we're going to start with you, Jocelyn. Tell us about Rent-A-Pal and what you thought of it. Yes, I'm very proud of that. And the name is misleading. The name is so dumb. And the movie was not that dumb, you guys. Yay! I was so happy. <laughs> also, that trailer makes it look uh, kind of way more sinister, I think. Right. I think it was way more sinister. Sin- it is pretty sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think the trailer I think the trailer makes it, uh, makes it um, seem like a... Str- like straight up horror. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's not. It, it's uh, 
really kind of fascinating um, because the character, you know, he lives with uh, at, at home with his mom. He's a 40-year-old guy who joins this kind of dating service called Rendezvous Video. Um, and it's in the 90s, so it's like VHS tapes. It's in the and, 80s, I believe. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Because I think, did they say Reagan? Well, like the guy, the the one of the the cameraman has a Reagan Bush eighty four or something sweatshirt, which is also when the nest took place because they were watching Reagan on the TV. But anyway, sorry. So yes, another (laughs) eighties movie, and um, so he uh, lives at home with his mother, and she is suffering from Alzheimer's. She has dementia, and he takes care of her. He's her caretaker. Um, and he's this, you know, we've seen this character before. He lives at home with his mom. He's kind of, he's kind of a a hapless luck kind of a guy looking for love, thinking that, you know, if he meets someone that, that everything will be better. Um, and so he, uh, finds this video that has Will Wheaton on it. Um, basically, yeah, as a, as a -a rent-a-pal, that's what it's called, the video. And... And it's a video that he, of course, laughs at at first, but then he comes to sort of become obsessed with around the same time that he uh, begins dating this this woman um, who's actually, like, perfect for him, kind of. And she, you know, uh, like, is a caretaker, and, and she's, like, all about him. It's, like, perfect. But by then, he's too obsessed with this rent a pal that he has at home. And, um, and it's kind of interesting because it's, it's sort of like it draws some parallels to, you know, today and like social media and how you can become so, you know, obsessed with this. The movie, uh, kind of veers off, I mean, in a big way, uh, towards the end of the movie, but before it does, there's some really great moments in this movie and, and uh, it, it kind of tells this like really interesting story and it takes its time with the characters and um, and it had a lot of potential that it just kind of throws away at the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cody, what about you? Well, I want to start by talking about the, the lead actor, Brian. his name's Brian Landis Fulkins um, because I think that it's an I, I I don't recall if I've ever seen him before in anything, and I think that it's actually a pretty interesting performance from him, and um and uh, and I think that he's sort of sold out by some some shoddy writing and 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 multiple moments so you know the interesting thing is you know sometimes with these vhs ish movies it can feel like an affectation that's just there for the sake of being there i actually felt like this being set in the 80s and the vhs stuff was 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 gave the movie some character um you know there's some great shots of like the inside of a vhs playing and um uh or the inside of vcr and um and and ultimately you know the guy that you meet um, at the beginning of the movie is this kind of like really nice, sweet, seemingly normal guy who, um, is just kind of seeking connection. And it's funny because it's almost as if there's like somewhere in the movie, there's like a sincere, good movie. Like if they just played this straight sincere, they were like building it up to actually be pretty decent. You know, there's, there's, you know, when he meets the woman, you know, there's some scenes in there that are great. The, the problem is that, you know, it commits the sin of having this character of David not acting like an actual real person. And 
you know, when I say that, what I mean is that it, the screenwriters cannot decide at any point if David is a normal guy or a fucking weirdo. And it never commits one way or another until the end of the movie. And uh, for me, it it's, it's like it just kept on ping-ponging back and forth because you start feeling bad for the guy because you think he's just like a normal guy. And then you start, you know, as he becomes more obsessed with the with the VHS tape, you see, oh, he's he's like he's not normal and then eventually it falls off a cliff and and there's you know there's a scene in the movie that happens where where um something happens sexually to him that is not great and that is like the point where everything ends right he 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 breaks up and breaks off the relationship that he had built and it's just such a to me that is such a weird like turn of events for me because any normal like he's like this guy after being like almost like like really sadly alone only seeking partnerships finds like the perfect person who likes him and he just like like never speaks to her again and brushes her off completely like it just doesn't make nobody in their right mind would actually do that and it stop it stops feeling authentic at that point and then again it gets really dark really fast and it just to me gets profoundly dumb uh after after that point and i found myself really getting frustrated because again had it had it either committed earlier to him being strange or had he just or had he been normal in the in the sort of like maybe like progressively getting stranger or more obsessed um i i would have worked a little bit better but it really truly ping pongs because he starts off normal he starts getting obsessive he gets normal again when he meets the girl and then he gets fucking weird again and um and for me, it just you know after that scene where uh, where he has a bad sexual encounter, uh, the movie just gets uh, really stupid and falls off a cliff for me, and and I uh, really disliked everything that happens after that point. Yeah, I think that um, I agree with you that that scene is sort of the turning point, and I think that there's a good quirky love story in this. Mm-hmm had it not been committed to turning into a horror movie. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. And I, I don't understand what the, the impetus of that was. I mean, maybe that's what got it sold. I don't know. Maybe that's what they wanted all along. Cause I think there's a, a really interesting story and you know, I, I've mentioned this before, but um, like with the, the idea of this analog world that we came from with, VHS. Um, so here's here's a, a, a metaphor I made before, and I don't remember if we covered this on the podcast, Cody, but like Poltergeist. You remember the remake with Sam um, um, Sam Rockwell? Rockwell? I didn't see it. It's terrible. It's terrible. But also, it makes no sense because, like, there's that you know if you see you both seen the original Poltergeist, right? I have not. Okay, so Jocelyn you know that like there's that static right that like you know is is like this weird in between and that's something that's gone like that static doesn't exist in modern television right so but the idea is that that's an absence of a signal where something else could live exactly and that's like where the poltergeist that's the, where the poltergeist thing comes in and i think this this um isolation of like one solitary vhs tape um is something that that is that this movie expresses that I think is something that you could have gotten kind of obsessed with. 
you know, the idea that you would watch the same movie over and over again. I mean, yeah. we all did as kids, right? You know, and it you changes. Had this- and they do that so well to to show how it kind of it's like choose your own ending type of type of a thing. Right. Like it it, it seems to kind of speak mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a good story in there. Um, but when it decides it's going to be a horror movie or, you know, some sort of. I don't know. I don't know if you'd call it a horror movie, but like it's going to have this dark turn. I think it really ruins the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think it had something really great going for it. And I think that, you know, yeah, the guy lived at home with his mom, but it wasn't like a sad sack story. Like he was there to take care of her because she has dementia and everyone else has died. Like the her his dad had um, had passed away. His other brother had, I think, committed suicide. So it's like this, it's a sweet guy who meets this other woman who's a caretaker and they have a great relationship. And then the movie decides it's going to be something sinister. And I don't, I don't know why it, it yeah. really, yeah. it really throws it all away. And it's really disappointing. Well, Especially and you could have the love story was done. It was so cute to watch. It was good. It was yeah. like, they did a good job, but you can also take that story, not make Will Wheaton's video sinister and just have it be like a guy who has his best friend is a videotape yeah. and well, it would yeah. have been a great movie. Was, yeah. This could have been, this could have been some quirky thing where he uh-huh. like, you know, becomes, you know, and, and, and I think you can still keep the, the idea that the tape became, you know, the tape becomes jealous. I think you could right. keep that, but not turn it into this, this sinister thing. And I, I don't, I, I wish this is one of those movies. I wish like you could just stop it and redo that ending uh-huh. because it sucked. Like it, yeah. it really took the life out of the whole thing. Yeah. And it, it really, it's, it's like a lesser version of, uh, from dusk till dawn. Where you are like, this is a great crime movie. What the fuck, man? Like the <laughs> vampires. It, it, it turned into Requiem for a dream for some reason. I mean, and it, it just, didn't need to. It just turns it turns stupid. Uh-huh. Like it's it's uh, anyway. Uh, but uh, good uh, first. I think two thirds of the movie are pretty are, are pretty good actually. Like it's it's actually. A, I was waiting for it to get bad. Me too. You know, because you know, it doesn't have a a great. You know, you know, it's, it's not a great. I don't want to say that. It doesn't. You know, the idea of it seems kind of quirky and weird, and it does have that. But it doesn't have like a quirky for quirky's sake, like we talked about with Cajillionaire. Mm. Um, but yeah, then it just it takes a turn, and I it was so disappointing. Anyway, grades, Jocelyn. Yep, I totally agree. It, it was surprisingly good. I was really uh, patting myself on the back there for the first <laughs> <laughs> three quarters of the movie, and then the end just kind of really shut the bed. So I'm doing uh. This is hard. I'm going to go with a C. C, wow. Cody. Yeah, again, like I was saying, I think somewhere in here, there's a very, there's a pretty, a pretty solid and downright good indie movie that is sincere. The second that they committed to this being a crazy horror-ish movie is when they really faltered and and it sucks because it was going really well and it could have been a good love story and then it just like i it's it's so it's such a weird example of like a movie i I can't recall the last time i went from liking a movie to hating a movie so quickly (laughs) i mean it just falls off a fucking cliff so i also have to give it a c yeah um i look i'm gonna give the first two thirds a b um this the everything after that and and ultimately for the whole movie a c just because it's it's such a disappointment 
It's it it had such promise and such a, a it was sweet and it was I think the I, what's the guy's name the lead actor I thought he was really good. Yeah, his I, name you know, is uh, Brian Landis Falkins. And um, you know I, I liked the Will Wheaton stuff. Like I didn't feel like it was like it it was it had this legitimacy to it. You know, it felt like a VHS tape. It felt like something that was real. And then it just decides to go sinister and it just doesn't work. Um, yeah. So you almost, you almost had a great little, uh, diamond in the rough there, Jocelyn, and it just sort of <laughs> fell apart. Um, we've got one more but movie to talk. It turned out to be just a lump of coal. <laughs> no, mm. not a whole lump. Uh, <laughs> you can't give partial points here. <laughs> yes, but Jared just did that. <laughs> yeah, but the, at the end of the day, the final grade is what counts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Fine. It tainted the whole. It was the the tainted. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm like a two, six, 16 year old all of a sudden. Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, um, <laughs> the movie really jizzed its pants early. <laughs> Um, there you it go. Shot its, it shot its wad prematurely. Yay! Thank you guys. Uh, <laughs> Cody, you got one more movie to talk about. Tell us about it. Yeah, I just really quickly wanted. There was a. I watched seven new releases this week. Good uh, lord! We covered five. I wrote a review for one, and then this was the seventh that I just couldn't place anywhere. So it's a movie called The Secrets We Keep. Uh, it's a movie that has uh, Numi Rapace, who is uh, well known for uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the the Swedish version, and um, Prometheus uh, was also was uh, one of her movies, as well as uh, Chris Messina, who plays her husband, um, and basically she plays a. Um, a Romanian woman who, uh, who it, it takes place in the oh gosh, um, I think the sixties, um, and uh, and basically uh, they they play a couple who uh, he's a doctor. It's post World War Two, and uh, and basically she runs into a guy who she is convinced, um, like uh, tortured and assaulted her and killed. Um, uh, you know her friends and family member as part of World War II, a German guy played by Joel Kinnaman, and um, and basically she kidnaps him and and and, and kind of tortures him and, and until he kind of he says he's not who she thinks he is, uh, she is, and um, and they keep him kind of tortured in in a basement and um, and basically uh, you know over time because she's a sufferer of trauma, uh, her memory starts, she starts questioning whether or not, you know, he's really the guy and she can't remember small details. And ultimately it becomes, you know, she wants to know, she wants to fill in the gaps of the details that her memory can't remember. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I was hoping for, for something good with, with a cast of, of kind of, uh, you know, maybe not a listers, but some, but some solid, you know, B list, um, uh, performers and I think Numi Rapace is really, uh, really solid in the movie. I think the the issue that 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 becomes a, a problem is that it deals with trauma in a bit of a weird way. In that you know it starts calling into question the legitimacy of her memory, um, which is kind of a, a legit trauma thing to kind of not remember the details. But um, it's, it's it's kind of a strange decision to play it as like uh, for you know um, for like a like a thriller or like. Um, you know the um, the 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 questioning part of it, um, and then it actually kind of brings about an interesting storyline or idea towards in the in the you know dying moments of the film, 
um, that it just does not give enough room to breathe. And I think had they explored this idea that they present, which I don't want to spoil, um, it could have been like a real thinker of a movie. Um, and instead, it just feels kind of weird, especially with all of the torture that happens in it. So um, it could have been thinker, but it ended up a stinker. Oh, I like that. I wouldn't call it a stinker totally, but I would give it a C plus. A C plus, and uh, that's available on demand. Um, I believe this one is just theatrically right now. Oh, it's called the secrets we uh, the secrets we keep. It's a Bleecker Street movie. Um, not terrible, but also at the end of the day, falls a little short. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, Cody, what do we got on tap? What do I got cooking for you? Um, what do we got? So uh, we have Enola Holmes. Oh yes, uh, which is the uh, uh, it's a Netflix movie with Millie Bobby Brown. Um, uh, is she plays the daughter of Sherlock Holmes, I believe? I think she's the younger sister of oh, uh, younger Sherlock sister. and Mycroft Holmes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we also have a documentary that, uh, I don't know Jocelyn's interest in this one, uh, but it's a, a CBS all-access documentary called Console Wars. Um, oh, it's yes. a documentary about, I believe it's Super Nintendo and Sega. Oh. Um, so, Why, uh, I'm a girl. Yeah, you're no, a girl. I just, you I just didn't know games. if you were much of a gamer. Uh, but I remember, I recall a conversation on previous weeks where you said you were. So, <laughs> um, so we've got that. We all, we've also got a horror movie called The Swerve um, that is getting some decent buzz. And then we have a movie called The Glorias, Ooh. which I believe is a, um, a movie about um, Gloria um, uh, Steinem uh, with Julianne Moore. Ah, all right. Uh, so if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast.cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnob Critic. Listen to our other podcasts, ReMCU, Rewatching Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Quarant Stream, uh, where we talk to people about what they're watching during quarantine. Our latest episode with cartoonist and musician Tommy Siegel is out now. Um, we uh, had a good talk. He was choosing between uh, Jupiter Ascending and Safety Not Guaranteed. Um, you might be surprised which one he picked, Jocelyn. Hmm. Um, have you seen either of, either of those movies? Uh, what was the second one? Safety Not Guaranteed I, with Aubrey sounds, Plaza. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza, Jake Johnson. Familiar. Jake it's Johnson. The, it's the Colin Trevorrow's. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did see that one. Jupiter Ascending is the Wachowskis with. Okay, Mila I Kunis haven't and, seen that one. No. Okay. Well, maybe you should. Um, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should. <laughs> uh, that episode is out now. Uh, Cody, you've got uh, the ramble going on with your good willow hunting. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, every uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, Tuesday and Friday is ramble radio. Wednesday's ramble. Thursday's good willow hunting. This week is top secret. The Zucker brothers, Zucker, 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 Zucker. brothers. Um, um, Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer uh, movie uh, that spoiler alert didn't really love i didn't um, i that's the one i've actually never seen that's the one zucker brothers well early zucker brothers that i actually never did see I yeah I, yeah i don't know it wasn't my favorite but um but uh, yeah oh and also hi to those watching on twitch oh yeah hi. um and uh, and also you can find me on uh camo, <laughs> camo. is that is that the the like date the the uh redneck dating app or something <laughs> <laughs> i'm all uh, camo yes yeah, um, you can I, sw- swipe. You you only swipe right on trademark it, Jared. Trademark it now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every every picture is a, every picture is a every guy's picture is him sitting in the front seat of a truck with a wraparound sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> with fish. 
Or yeah. yeah. Or a Punisher tattoo. <laughs> I'm hoping that next week the software that I usually use is working properly, so I don't have to deal with that stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, also you can uh, you can find me. I've got uh, some articles on the hard times. I Very know small. they've been really funny. Thanks, um, Jocelyn. How about you? How's it Nothing. going over there? Nothing as usual. It's the uh, season of exposed shoulders. I see. Yes, because <laughs> I'm almost... I'm only cold from this portion of my arm down. Yeah, yeah. you got to let them breathe. It's a clever design. I, I've always wondered about that, like the 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 vests, like the fleece vest, or not fleece vest, but well, any kind of vest. I don't understand. I've never understood. That. Like I have one. Like they gave us some for like a Christmas gift at work a couple years ago. Yeah. And like it's warm, but like I'm like this would suck. Like <laughs> to be out in the cold in it feels like. Because you want to look like Han Solo. Well, I always do, but <laughs> even even he had a coat. I think you, you know? said that meme where it was like it's Han Solo season and it's all oh, the yeah. girls in their the girls with and the... their boots. How how often do you partake in Han Solo season, Johnson? Oh, well, I it's how still basic summer. are how basic are you? Mm, I can be pretty basic, but <laughs> I, I think Cody says that this is even more basic because I won't wear boots until it's actually oh. fall, until like at least October. Yeah, she has boot I, rules. I have rules. Are they the big, tall boots? Yeah, I mean, every girl has boots. You just feel powerful in them. You know? You're like, these are my ass-kicking boots. I call them like, <laughs> shit-kickers. Shit-kickers. Um, do you have the vest, So I too? can go to vineyards. <laughs> Kick some shit in some vineyards. How many times have you been to Fredericksburg in a vineyard? Not that many, I promise. <laughs> did I you have your bach- have a couple Did vests. you have your bachelorette party at a vineyard? God, no. Oh. God, no. no. Come on. <laughs> I did my first escape room on my bachelorette, actually. Oh. And we, uh, it was in L.A., and we finished with, like, literally three seconds left, and it was the best. It was so much fun. The only escape room I ever did was with Cody, and it was a Star Wars theme. <laughs> oh, <one>. yeah. <laughs> I and would it was, pay I about that. to be on a fly on the wall of you two in an escape room. <laughs> Let me, spoiler alert, I solved every puzzle. Really? Yeah, that's, that's not even... A, a lie like i literally figured everything out so oh, I people did, were thinking you were lying jared i yeah. love escape rooms i did one in france okay and <laughs> oh you've so, been to france <laughs> oh yeah. i wouldn't have known. i know i had to drop it but this is funny so i did an escape room there with french people obviously and at the end <laughs> and they were just the, sitting back smoking cigarettes <laughs> the the um escape the key room was employee. a baguette yes <laughs> No, what? Sorry. Okay, get them all out of the way. But the employee at the end said she had great ideas, but nobody was listening to her. (laughs) Wait, you? Yeah, because I couldn't speak the language, so no one thought I I knew what I was talking about. I like that we... Stupid American. (laughs) We have basically hit Sinisna podcast bingo today. We've had Jocelyn mentions France. Uh We've had uh, complete fuckery with... With uh, with not knowing what we're doing. Oh yeah, sure. We've had Jared kick someone off who's about to talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've had um, oh gosh, what, what else? Well, have we you've had, had the fucking more. camera problems. I've had camera problems. Free space. <laughs> and then free space. Yeah, that's yeah, bingo. a bingo. Bingo. <laughs> that's a bingo. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so, so like, none of the French people let you help? <laughs> no, I mean, they, I, I, I just have to, you know, they, they kind of disregard you when you 
when you're when you don't speak the language. <laughs> I'm sure they're just kind of like, okay, whatever. How so? How did you become um, a francophile? <laughs> like, did, were you a, yeah. were you like a fan of France before you met your husband? I was. That's the okay. really weird thing. Like, I the French New Wave is like in college. That was my absolute thing. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> And I tell people that, and they're like, you met him on, like, findafrenchguy.com, but that is not the case. <laughs> I swear to God. Jared's still looking on I, there. I didn't even... <laughs> I, got off, I got off camo and went to findafrenchguy.com. It's just, like, one of those weird things where then it, like, came around, and all of a sudden now I'm married to a French guy. But, yeah, like, seriously, Godard, Truffaut, oh all of the French God. New Wave were my absolute favorite. Yep. I know. And you're then when you go, fun, you're probably fun at college parties. And then when you go, when you go <laughs> yeah. over there, they won't give you the fucking time of day. <laughs> <laughs> they won't even listen to me at escape rooms. <laughs> they're like, I have the key, and they're like, shut yeah. up. <laughs> like, get away. <laughs> with the, they're playing the accordion and with their stripy shirts and yep, 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 baguettes yep. and bicycles. And That's exactly. What's what another like. one? What's another one? Cheese, which is Jeez. totally true. I mean, like, the they love the cheese. <laughs> But who uh, doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> they do those curds, though, that like it's not pasteurized, so it squeaks, right, when you bite it? Yeah, French movies are so good, though. They really are. They really aren't. <laughs> they haven't been good for some time. The yeah. French New Wave. Well, they're, they're, they, it, when it got all modern, it's weird. Like, it's like trying to watch a modern French movie is just strange. I can see uh, that a little. Uh, yeah. Only French movies I watch are by Luc Besson, so. Yeah. (laughs) Classic French filmmaker Luc Besson. (laughs) And they star Gerard Depardieu. As as like the most handsome guy with the prettiest girl, right? (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Do you remember My Father the Hero? Yes. I do. Catherine D- didn't you point that out? That's that's your favorite Luc Besson thing, is that he always puts some homely French guy. No, with, like, it's the casts are literally everyone that's not the star is literally just the ugliest fucking person you've ever seen. <laughs> like go look at the fifth element, like outside of Bruce Willis, outside of um uh, Mila Jovovich, outside of Ian Holm, outside of Chris uh, Tucker, everyone else is ugly as fuck. You just <laughs> named like fifty people. Okay, You're so like, everybody, other than all these people. Okay, other than the people you know. Okay. Like, it's not like you see, you know, not Gary Oldman's not ugly. You know, Luke Perry, RIP, and his little scene in that movie is not ugly. But, like, everybody, like, otherwise is just ugly as shit. And, like, it was like Tiny Lister was, like, the president or something. And he's fucking cross eyed. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, anything else before we go? I think we've kind of gone off on a French tangent here. No. Mm-mm. Jocelyn, how many ti- how many pins are in that map behind you in France? Um. Well, I, I would imagine the whole thing because it says not mine. So, <laughs> but I've got like a pretty good amount in in, in that one. So, how? Where was the first time you went to France? That's so funny. That's so true. Because like I was obsessed with it, never went. And it was kind of one of those things that I didn't want to go and have them, like, it'd it, it be ruined. Have them not listen to me at an escape room and hate myself for the rest of my life. So I, I didn't ever go. And then um, we went when uh, when we were engaged. So, like, oh, you didn't even fifteen. You didn't even go. Well, so your husband was in Texas when mm-hmm. you met him. Oh. Yeah, he works what here. A, so What a coincidence, huh? It's like it, did, it worked out weird and... I never expected to meet my French husband in San Antonio, of all places. I mean, I like 
moved far away from here. But did you meet him in Paris, Texas? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's where all the French people <laughs> hang out. <laughs> did you? Uh, was it, were you like, uh, hey, are you a fan of Tony Parker? Even though he's, Bel- he's Belgian, but uh, he did was big in France. <laughs> hey, fuck you. My joke was better. It was better. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Anything else before we go? <laughs> No, this has been a shit show. <laughs> yeah, hey, welcome That's back. How I you know? it. Jared and I fought. We what had we a fight? Fight. Wait, wait, no, but you fought, but but you ended up agreeing with him. Yeah, but I was trying oh, yeah, to agree yeah. with him. You, I weird. think in the span of one minute, you're like, I don't agree. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and watch. That's why That's, the French people didn't listen to you. That's how. Yeah, exactly. That's a I think it's Emmys time. We're allowed to do that. Oh yeah, time for the Emmys. So yes, that's I, right. I, ooh, my Emmy nominations I get announced on Friday, so I might be an Emmy nominee for the fourth time. Cool. Next episode. So cool. And I've lost every time, so it's cool. You're the Susan Lucci. <laughs> I, re- I really, really am. All right. On that oh, note, and also I- you, and also you have a streak of being nominated and not winning. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a bingo. <laughs> all right, I, yeah, that Bizarre. that is that is the that's the like four corners. <sighs> uh, all right. Uh, on that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Durant. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.